Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to you, wherever you are when you are hearing this message. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and we are going through the Bible, reading the Bible, and this is today's edition of Bible Bites. And my reading for today is found in 2 Samuel chapter 8 through 12. So I just want to share a few points with you about that. Chapter 8 um, gives us more details about some of David's exploits, his wars, his victories, etc. But the, the thing that I did want to mention here is that in one of those exploits, um, the king had sent gifts to David of gold, silver, and bronze. And I want you to notice in verse 11, it says that David, um, he, he devoted those things and consecrated them to the Lord. In other words, David didn't have a materialistic attitude about these things. He received them as blessings from the Lord to be used for the Lord and dedicated them to God for his service. And so I just wanted to point out how God can sometimes send us blessings also and sometimes it is to provide for our needs, yes, but sometimes it could be for us to give it back to him and to use it for his service. Um, and so the thing is, we don't need to be materialistic. We don't need to be hoarders and thinking that it's all about us. It may be that God wants us to receive something in order to be a blessing to someone else. So that just touched my heart as I read through that. Then in chapter 9, we see the story, the whole of chapter 9, is the story of how David is kind and faithful to the house of Jonathan, in that he is kind to Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son. Now, if you'll remember, we read about his covenant with Jonathan before, and how they had made a covenant to be faithful and good and kind and take care of each other's lineage, our descendants. Even Jonathan saw fit to ask him, I don't, you know, this is not just about me and you, David. It's it's going to extend to our lineage, to our descendants. And so they, they made that covenant between themselves. And here we see David faithfully fulfilling that because you remember we had read about Mephibosheth when they heard about Saul and, and Jonathan and them's death, then the nurse uh, grabbed up Mephibosheth and somehow she fell, he fell, and he became lame in his feet. But God reminds David and David remembers him and seeks him out and brings him to the, the king's table. And the Bible says here that David um, brings him to the king's table and he will eat of the king's table from that point on, as if he were one of David's own sons. David adopted him in a sense and treated him like one of his own sons. And David restored to Mephibosheth everything that had belonged to Saul, his um, grandfather, and everything that was rightfully his. David saw fit to be kind to him, and David remembered that and gave him honor. And notice Mephibosheth's lowly image of himself. He, he says about himself, he says, I'm just a dead dog. How can I receive this? Beloved, this whole chapter is a beautiful picture of God's grace because we don't deserve some of these things. Mephibosheth felt like he didn't deserve this. You know, there's a line in the, in the song, Amazing Grace, that saved a wretch 
like me. And that's how Mephibosheth saw himself. And yet David honored him, made him like one of his own sons, and gave him food and provision for the rest of his life um, and cared for him. Hallelujah. And Mephibosheth had a, a young son at that time as well. And so God made provision for that faithful, for the covenant that David and Jonathan had made to be faithfully fulfilled. Chapter 10 gives us more of David's victories and his exploits and his battles. But then in chapter 11 and 12, these two tie together. And here we see the biggest downfall, the one thing that put a scar on David's whole of his kingship and his ministry. Um, it, this was the one thing, and it's the one thing that God spoke against him. God had a testimony, and you, we can see that later when we read through these historical books. We'll come upon it where God's testimony of David was that David was a man after his own heart, and David pleased him in all things, and God will make this testimony except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. And that's how God sees it. God saw it that David's sin was really against Uriah. Because here is where we find the story of when, first of all, kings were supposed to be going out to war. But David decided to stay home in chapter 11. And idleness got him in trouble. He was restless one night, went up on his roof, saw Bathsheba, and she was bathing in a mikvah bath. It was a bath that was required for the women to do at a certain period of time for purification. And that is confirmed to us in verse 2 and in verse 4. And so David sees her. He lusts after her in his heart. He brings her to his house and he has um, adultery. He commits adultery with her. And she gets pregnant. And so, you know, then David wants to hide his sin. So now he tries to concoct schemes to get Uriah to go and sleep with his wife so that his sin, David's sin, won't be found out. And so he sends Uriah, he calls him back from the battle, sends him to his house. He won't go to his house because Uriah is an honorable man. And he said, how can I go and enjoy time with my wife when, when my servicemen and my fellow comrades are out in the battlefield living in tents and fighting fierce battles for the Lord? He says, I can't do that. So he refuses to go down there. So the next night, David tries getting him drunk. And then he still won't go down there. And so David's kind of getting out of options here. And so he commits an ultimate greater sin because he sends him into the battle, into the front lines, and he has him killed. He ha David has him killed, and David has now committed that sin of murder as far as God is concerned because he set him up to be killed. And so God is not pleased with that. It says clearly in chapter 11, he said that the thing that David did displeased the Lord. God was very upset about that. And we will see that that is what brought tremendous um, displeasure to the Lord and also trouble for David's own house. And I want, you to, I want to point out something to you. We'll see in chapter 12 exactly how that happens. But when we allow sin into our lives... We give a place or an opportunity for the devil to work in us. And that's exactly what, what David did. And what that does is it opens the door 
not just to the devil's work in us, but also to trouble in our home. And so um, welcome as you join in to, to hear the message. So David has committed this grave sin against God in that he has had Uriah killed, he has slept with Bathsheba, committed adultery, and now there's a baby involved. And God was not pleased with it. Um, and so in chapter 12, now notice this, that uh, first of all, David has been trying to hide his sin. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says that he who hides his sin will not prosper. But the one that confesses and forsakes his sin will find mercy. And so we see David in chapter 11. He's doing everything he can to run from God. He's doing everything he can to try to hide his sin from God and to resist the, the um, conviction of the Holy Spirit of God on his conscience. He's trying to alleviate his conscience. As a matter of fact, he even sends a messenger to Joab and he tries to justify their sin and clear uh, and kind of ease Joab's conscience too because he says this, do not let this thing displease you for the sword devours one as well as another. He's trying to justify his sin. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it, so encourage him. And so David is sending this message to Joab in a sense trying to justify what they have done. Joab has had a hand in it, although it was David's choice and God holds David responsible for it. So we see that time has gone by because the baby's now born. So we're talking about months of time have gone by. And, and so God, what God has done, he hasn't been condoning David's sin that whole time. And he hasn't been silent over it in the sense that he's forgotten about it. What he's done over those months is he's tried to convict David. He's tried to work on David's guilty conscience. And you can see that in that message that he sent to Joab, that David sent to Joab. He's got a guilty conscience and he knows it. He knows he's done wrong, but he's not re receptive to God's correction at this point. And so months go by. What God is doing is he's giving David a window of time to repent on his own and for God not to have to bring a, judge, a judgment or a harsh consequence to him. And David refuses to do that. So God says, okay, time's up. It's time for Nathan to go to him. So God sends Nathan to him. And Nathan the prophet comes to him and he tells him, he gives him a parable. He tells him a story about one man that had one lamb and another man that was rich that had a bunch of lambs. And, and the rich guy, instead of enjoying his own herd, he decides to come over and take the lamb from the one, from the one fella and take it as his own. And so, you know, David, I mean, Nathan tells him this story and Nathan gets very angry. And I want to read in chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man that in the story that Nathan was telling him. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Verse 7, then Nathan said to David, you are the man. And then he goes on and he proclaims, 
the Lord's judgment on what David has done in David's sin. Because God gave David months of time to repent. And David would not repent on his own. So now it's time for him to have to suffer the consequences of his gross sin. So <clears throat> I want you to see in verse 5 and 6, David pronounced the judgment with his own mouth. Even Jesus said this in the New Testament. He talked about how by your own words, you condemn yourself. You're condemning yourself. You're bringing on your own judgment. So David's judgment, David pronounced it on himself. He said, <clears throat> this man's going to have to repay by fourfold. So if you read on, when we read on through the historical books, we'll see that David ended up losing four sons because of this sin and because of the judgment that had to come that David declared from his own mouth. Beloved, we see later in this whole chapter, verse 12 and beyond, sin <clears throat> cannot be hidden. In verse 12, it talks about how he did it secretly. But God says, this is going to be seen, it's going to be known before even all Israel that, that David did this thing. Sin will be found out. The Torah in the Old Testament tells us that God said, your sin will find you out. And so sure enough, David's sin was found out. It was never hidden from God. We can't hide from God. But the good news is that when we repent, like David repented, we will be forgiven. And, and Nathan comes to him later. In verse 13, let's, see, let's read this. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And he was sincere in that. And I'll tell you why we say that. It's because of Psalm 51. I encourage you to read Psalm 51. That is the psalm where David, it's basically David's repentant psalm and repentant prayer to God after he had sinned with Bathsheba and Uriah here. And so I encourage you to read Psalm 51. So David had sincere repentance. And so Nathan says to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. God forgives sin. You shall not die. Praise God for his amazing grace to, to forgive us of our sin. But David still had to bear consequences for his sin because he had dishonored the name of God. Now remember how David had, see where David has fallen from, because remember how early in his life and early in his ministry, he was so um, careful about the honor of God's name, even to the point that when he, he cut off Saul's robe, the corner of his robe, his heart smote him and he wouldn't, he wouldn't touch God's anointed. Why? He was, he was very careful about bringing honor to the name of God. But here he had dishonored the name of God. And because of that, he's brought trouble to his own house because he opened the door to the enemy to let him in through his unrepentant sin. Beloved, we all sin. We all fall. We all miss the mark. But the point is we need to be quick to repent before the Lord before we give an open door to the enemy to come in and do anything harmful to us or bring consequences upon ourselves because of unrepentant sin. <clears throat> God forgives sin. He doesn't always. Some sins, there are more consequences to bear than others, but he will always forgive us if we come with a sincere 
repentant heart. And because David refused to do that on his own, and he had to be chastised before the, by the Lord, then he had to suffer certain consequences. He would have war within his own household, and he would end up losing his four sons because of the judgment he had proclaimed. God does graciously forgive sins. Praise be to God. Thank God that he is a gracious and forgiving God for all of us. And then in the latter part of chapter 12, the, the boy, remember the Nathan had pronounced upon him, he said, the child is going to die. And I want you to see what David did. And David was never reproved for this anywhere in scripture. And this taught me a lesson many years ago. David is pleading in verse 15 through 19. He's pleading with God in prayer for God to let mercy triumph over judgment so that the child will die. Or uh, will not die, excuse me. The child was going to die. Nathan had already said that. God had already pronounced that. What David is doing here is he's begging God to have mercy and to, to in essence, change his judgment and not allow the child to die. And David is never reproved for that. And God taught me years ago, God will never reprove us for praying for mercy in a situation. God loves mercy. Matter of fact, in the New Testament, we read after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, how mercy triumphs over judgment. God is a God who loves mercy, and he won't reprove us for begging for his mercy. Doesn't always mean we'll, we'll end up getting that petition. But David had a heart here after God had chastened him and after he had repented, his heart was right with God again. And so when the Lord took the baby and the baby died, David got up then accepting God's choice and he worshiped. Hallelujah. And verse 23 gives us one final thing that is a word of hope for anyone who has lost a child because we find in verse 23 that children end up, if they die before they become in their prime, before they get to be adults and grow up, they go to heaven. They go to be with the Lord. And David says here that, that my son, talking about the baby that's died, he said, he's not coming back to me, but I'm going to him. And the good news is that we get to establish in this earth by the choice of believing in Jesus that heaven it will be our eternal destiny and any child we've lost we will be able to see them at that time praise God and then this this story ends with the grace of God in giving a new son to David and Bathsheba, a son who God said his name was to be Jedidiah, actually, because he is beloved of the Lord, and they named him Solomon. And we will see much more about how God has good things and, and a blessed future for this son, Solomon, who will become king in David's place. Oh, hallelujah. This this reading today shows us the God who forgives and beautiful pictures of God's grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness for our sins. Praise God. What amazing grace it truly is to save wretches like me and you and all of us. Oh, hallelujah. He's a good God. I hope this blesses you today. May you just enjoy the Lord today and be blessed by him. 
And I pray for health and safety and blessing for you. In Jesus' name, amen.